welcome to another edition of the And You Shall Know That I Am Yahweh, an Ezekiel podcast. We begin in Ezekiel chapter 30 and in verse 1. The word of Yahweh came to me, Son of man, prophesy and say, Thus says the Lord Yahweh, Wail, alas for the day, for the day is near, the day of Yahweh is near. It will be a day of clouds, a time of doom for the nations. A sword shall come upon Egypt, and anguish shall be in Cush. When the slain fall in Egypt, and her wealth is carried away, and her foundations are torn down. Cush, and Put, and Lud, and all Arabia, and Libya, and all the people of the land that is in the league, shall fall with them by the sword. Thus says Yahweh, Those who support Egypt shall fall, and her proud might shall come down. From Migdal to Syene, they shall fall within her by the sword, declares the Lord Yahweh. And they shall be desolated in the midst of desolated countries, and their cities shall be in the midst of cities that are laid waste. Then they will know that I am Yahweh, when I have set fire to Egypt, and all her helpers are broken. On that day messengers shall go out for me in ships to terrify the unsuspecting people of Cush, and anguish shall come upon them on the day of Egypt's doom, for behold it comes. Thus says the Lord Yahweh, I will put an end to the wealth of Egypt by the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. He and his people with them, the most ruthless of nations, shall be brought in to destroy the land, and they shall draw their swords against Egypt and fill the land with the slain. And I will dry up the Nile and will sell the land into the hand of evildoers. I will bring desolation upon the land and everything in it by the hand of foreigners. I am Yahweh. I have spoken. Thus says the Lord Yahweh, I will destroy the idols and put an end to the images in Memphis. There shall no longer be a prince from the land of Egypt, so I will put fear in the land of Egypt. I will make Pothros a desolation, and will set fire to Zoan, and execute judgments in Thebes. And I will pour out my wrath on Pelusium, the stronghold of Egypt, and cut off the multitude of Thebes. And I will set fire to Egypt. Pelusium shall be in great agony. Thebes shall be breached, and Memphis shall face enemies by day. The young men of On and Pebeseth shall fall by the sword, and the women shall go into captivity. At Tehaphanes the day will be dark, when I break there the yoke bars of Egypt. And the proud might shall come to an end in her. She will be covered by a cloud, and her daughter shall go into captivity. Thus I will execute judgments on Egypt. Then they will know that I am Yahweh. So this section comes at a very interesting moment. And contextually we're in the nation oracles. Uh, but if we go by the text itself... This is still part of the prophecy that began in Ezekiel 29 and verse 17 in the 27th year. So this is about 572, 571, far later than everything else that we see in Ezekiel. In fact, it's the latest uh, part of the prophecy in the book. The rest of these nation oracles have fit somewhat comfortably in this period between 588 and 586 during the siege of Jerusalem. So again, Ezekiel is this... Uh, prophet priest that God has called. He was raised in Judah. He is now in Babylon in exile. He cannot serve as priest because he's away from the temple. Um, He spent time from 593 to 588 prophesying uh, this message of impending doom for Jerusalem, that it would be destroyed, that the exile should not hope that they would come home soon. Um, Now the siege is happening. He's turned to speak of all these different nations. Uh, we s- went through and very quickly uh, the nations of Ammon and Moab, Edom and Philistia. He spent much time uh, lamenting over, denouncing Tyre, 
and now he has turned to Egypt. And we see some of the themes here that we've seen before, uh, kind of weaving together the two core messages we've already seen about Egypt. Uh, in Ezekiel 29, 1 through 16, the first message uh, in the 10th year, around 587, and now uh, this much later message uh, where Nebuchadnezzar is, go is called to go and attack Egypt and take over Egypt. Um, and we looked at the events going on there that the siege of Tyre has ended unsuccessfully and that now God's going to give uh, the king of Babylon for payment, Egypt, because he worked so hard and didn't get anything for him, from him in Tyre. And so this is, as far as we can tell, part of that same uh, message. This is the lamentation of the great desolation destruction. And it's a very standard message. Uh, that the uh, day of Yahweh, so it's a time of judgment, uh, where nations are uh, attacked and destroyed. And Egypt is going to be destroyed. And all those in league with them, Cush, which is uh, the kingdom of Napata, probably, Nubia and Ethiopia. Uh, Put, which we think is down in the area of Somalia. Uh, Lud. Uh, Lud, you might think about Lydia, but it's probably a southern, southwest Asia Minor area, perhaps all Arabia, unless Lud is somewhere in, in Arabia. That one's a little bit disputed. Libya to the west, and uh, the English Standard has this uh, people of the land that is in league. Uh, they note that the Hebrew and the sons of the land of the covenant, uh, what these are, are Jewish mercenaries. Uh, that we do have archaeological evidence of Jewish mercenaries in Egypt, uh, that they were some of those who they hired uh, along with the Greeks. And in fact, they're the ones who build a temple down in Elephantini uh, to Yahweh um, for, for, for interest. And so uh, they're all going to fall by the sword. And all these people are going to be destroyed. Uh, messengers will go out to terrify those further south and the anguish about the doom of Egypt, um, that the wealth of Egypt will be put, will be made nothing given into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. And he goes through and shows a pretty good familiarity with Egyptian geography, even though he um, lives now in Babylon, very far away from Egypt, uh, mentioning all these places. Uh, Memphis, uh, the ancient capital, Pathros, uh, kind of the upper Egypt part, Thebes, the capital of upper Egypt, uh, Pelusium, the main um Stronghold, which is accurate, uh, that is kind of the, the main line of defense for the rest of Egypt, and it will be at Pelusium that uh, Samtik III will be thoroughly defeated by uh, Cambyses, the king of Persia, um, and all these other places, and judgment will be executed. And again, to keep in mind what we've already mentioned about this, that uh, it didn't exactly happen this way. Nebuchadnezzar's army was defeated when it came down a couple years later. Uh, we do not see a further update of it, but everything that, uh, most of what is said, not even everything, because uh, we don't get any impression that the Egyptians were all exiled for a period of time. The land was not fully desolate for a period of time, but Egypt fell to the Persians at the end of the rule of Amos in the days of Samtik uh, in around 535 or so uh, BC, uh, 525 BC, um, in that period of time. Um, we talked about the fact that possibly it's because there are some Jewish exiles in the land that God delayed the punishment, but the punishment does come. It is perhaps not as sharp as we might have imagined 
but it is certainly something that during the time and in the context would have been considered very astounding, uh, unbelievable, and would have um, definitely demonstrated that God had spoken through Ezekiel. In verse 20 of chapter 30, we read, In the eleventh year, in the first month, on the seventh day of the month, the word of Yahweh came to me, Son of man, I have broken the arm of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and behold, it has not been bound up, to heal it by binding it with a bandage, so that it might become strong to wield the sword. Therefore says the Lord Yahweh, Behold, I am against Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and I will break his arms, both the strong arm and the one that was broken, and I will make the sword fall from his hand. I will scatter the Egyptians among the nations and disperse them through the countries. And I will strengthen up the arms of the king of Babylon and put my sword in his hand. But I will break the arms of Pharaoh and he will groan before him like a man mortally wounded. I will strengthen the arms of the king of Babylon, but the arms of Pharaoh shall fall. Then they will know that I am Yahweh when I put my sword in the hand of the king of Babylon and he stretches it out against the land of Egypt. And I will scatter the Egyptians among the nations and disperse them throughout the countries. Then they will know that I am Yahweh. To understand this passage, we actually kind of have to do an act of historical forgetting. And what I mean by that is that originally, you see the time there, the 11th year in the first month, on the seventh day of the month, this means that it comes right after the prophecy we saw in chapter 29, that was in the 10th year in the 10th month, on the 12th day of the month, in which the word of Yahweh came to Ezekiel. And we've had this interlude that came many years later. So we can imagine that when Ezekiel has been prophesying, prophesying in order, uh, this message comes right on the heels of Ezekiel 29 and verse 16. And it returns back to those same themes. Uh, the expectation that there's the scattering of the Egyptians among the nations, kind of exiling them like everybody else has been exiled. But here we get the idea that will be seen in greater emphasis in, this, in the prophecy that comes um, 16 years later, this idea that it's going to be the king of Babylon that's going to render judgment on Egypt. And the incident here might well have been an actual incident where uh, Pharaoh Wahibri, or Prius, broke his arm. Uh, people break their arms for all kinds of reasons. And so it kind of becomes our metaphor. that He has an arm that's broken. And so God says, well, actually, I'm going to break both of his arms. Uh, so he can't wield the sword. He can't lift up to fight against the king of Babylon. And he will lie in front of the king of Babylon in his death throes, in his death groans, because the king of Babylon, I'm going to strengthen his arm to fight. And so this is um, a humiliating display of Egypt's weakness. And that's a message that Ezekiel has been emphasizing over and over again, is Egypt has this pretense that it's strong, but in reality it's not. And so, just like a man with broken arms is not going to be strong enough to fight, so Egypt is not going to be strong enough to be able to fight and defeat Nebuchadnezzar. We then have uh, the message of Ezekiel in Ezekiel 31. In the eleventh year, in the third month, on the first day of the month, the word of Yahweh came to me. Son of man, say to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and to his multitude, Whom are you like in your greatness? Behold, Assyria was a cedar in Lebanon with beautiful branches and forest shade, and of towering height, its top among the clouds. The waters nourished it. The deep made it grow tall, making its rivers flow around the place of its planting, sending forth its streams to all the trees of the field. So it towered high above all the trees of the field. Its boughs grew large and its branches long from abundant water in its shoots. All the birds of the heavens made their nests in its boughs. Under its branches all the beasts of the field gave birth to their young, and under its shadow 
lived all great nations. It was beautiful in its greatness, in the length of its branches, for its roots went down to abundant waters. The cedars in the garden of God could not rival it, nor the fir trees equal its boughs. Neither were the plane trees like its branches. No tree in the garden of God was equal in beauty. I made it beautiful in the mass of its branches, and all the trees of Eden envied it that were in the garden of God. Therefore, thus says the Lord Yahweh, because it towered high and set its top among the clouds, and its heart was proud of its height, I will give it into the hand of a mighty one of the nations. He shall surely deal with it as its wickedness deserves. I have cast it out. Foreigners, the most ruthless of nations, have cut it down and left it. On the mountains and in all the valleys its branches have fallen, and its boughs have been broken in all the ravines of the land, and all the peoples of the earth have gone away from its shadow and left it. On its fallen trunk dwell all the birds of the heavens, and on its branches are all the beasts of the field. All this is in order that no trees by the waters may grow to towering height, or set their tops among the clouds, and that no trees that drink water may reach up to them in height. For they all are given over to death, to the world below, among the children of man, with those who go down into the pit. Thus says the Lord Yahweh, On the day the cedar went down to Sheol, I caused it mourning. I closed the deep over it, and restrained its rivers, and many waters were stopped. I clothed Lebanon in gloom for it, and all the trees of the field fainted because of it. I made the nations quake at the sound of its fall when I cast it down to Sheol with those who go down to the pit. And all the trees of Eden, the choice and best of Lebanon, and all that drink water were comforted in the world below. They also went down to Sheol with it, to those who are slain by the sword, yes, those who were in its arm, who lived under its shadow among the nations. Whom are you thus like in glory and in greatness among the trees of Eden? You shall be brought down with the trees of Eden to the world below. You shall lie among the uncircumcised with those who are slain by the sword. This is Pharaoh and all his multitude, declares the Lord Yahweh. So in this next message, uh, we have this extended metaphor where Egypt is being compared to Assyria. And Assyria is described in terms of the cedar in Lebanon. Now, Lebanon is famous for its cedar. In fact, to this day, what's on the flag of Lebanon but a cedar tree. Uh, beautiful cedars of the uh, Anti-Lebanon Mountains. And so we're to imagine this huge cedar tree with great branches and shade. It's towering. It's got nourishment from waters. Uh, it's got all the resources it needs. It grows and grows, and it becomes very high up, lofty. Uh, even the trees of the Garden of God would be jealous of it. And so the idea here is like the Assyrian people. The Assyrians are just one of many different uh, kind of coronation states. You got Babylon in southeast Mesopotamia, northwest Mesopotamia is Assyria. Uh, the Assyrian uh, Empire lasted for many years. Uh, we kind of talk about the Neo Assyrian Empire uh, and talk about it kind of from the end of the Bronze Age until uh, the year 609 BC. Uh, at the end of the Bronze Age, Assyria took a hit like all the other nations took. Uh, but it persevered. It continued uh, in the 1100s, the thousands, into 900s. Uh, but it generally was kind of weak. Uh, starting in the 800s, you start having this kind of process that we can see play out, where you have the occasional strong king or series of strong kings, followed by some dynastic instability. And when the kings are strong, the Assyrians are able to exert their power uh, in very far. Uh, far out, and and it and it continues to build upon itself, where the cities are attacked and destroyed. And so it it starts in a Syrian homeland, it starts expanding out, um, 
and in 750 40s we we get this new uh guy Tiglath Pileser the 3rd who 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 really re changes the whole ancient Near Eastern world because he comes up with a very different idea of empire where he goes and he just doesn't expect tribute and when the tribute isn't given goes and attacks he will go and level cities he will exile people around he will have his own people uh, put in charge of new lands he, he's building what we will understand as empires and all of a sudden the Aramean states uh, to his southwest are now eliminated uh, Israel is made a shadow of its former self uh, his son Shalmaneser will finish off the kingdom of Israel. His son Sennacherib will attack uh, and 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 lay waste most of Judah. Esarhaddon will be the one who will uh, move exiles into the land uh, we know as Israel. And then his son Ashurbanipal is able to rule over this fantastically wealthy and peaceful kingdom. It's Ashurbanipal who builds Nineveh to a great height, who builds the great library of Nineveh. And it seems that Assyria is just in its great moment of power. Uh, Assyria is going to last for a very long time. And then within 20 years of Ashurbanipal's death, you had some dynastic instability with his sons. The Medes uh, conspire with the Babylonians. Uh, Nineveh is sacked and destroyed. The, uh, the final uh, king, Ashur Ubalat III, uh, is, uh, Nico of Egypt tries to prop him up, is unable to do so. Ashur Ubalat III is killed. And Assyria as an empire ceases to be a going concern. It's just gone. This was you know, Nahum prophesied this as well, uh, and again, it's for us. We just accepted, okay, well, that's history. But at the time, it was unthinkable. Assyria was the grandest power of the world, and it went from being on top of the world to gone within twenty years. It's an extraordinary story of reaching a really towering height, just like in this metaphor, and then being chopped down and destroyed and sent down to those who go into the pit. And uh, so Egypt is warned. Okay, Egypt, you've been around a long time. You think you've got all this power, but you will be just like Assyria. You will be gone, and everybody will just be astonished at it. How could this possibly happen? Well, just like it happened to Assyria, it's going to happen to Egypt as well. And they will lie among the uncircumcised, um, which for the Israelites, of course, is the unclean. But even for the Egyptians, because the Egyptians also circumcised their, their males. Um, it's, it's the point of, of dying in kind of shame, uh, dying in humiliation. And that will happen to Pharaoh and to his multitude. All right. We encourage you to join us as we will continue on next time with Ezekiel chapter 32. And we hope you have a great day.